Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we are developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So the other day I was in a bar and I saw Harpoon. They were, it was the special beer. Do you like Harpoon? That's actually pretty amazing. I do like Harpoon. I like their space. Uh, we should probably check that out at some point. Yeah, we definitely should. So I was thinking, and I was with some uh, some folks, and, and I said, you know, Harpoon is like a big New England thing, but it hasn't really gotten that far out. And I said that it was very similar to... Minneapolis is surly except for maybe it's a little bit a little bit past surly like surly is where harpoon was four or five years ago yeah but pretty comparable right I actually agree with that comparison surly is growing surly is growing pretty big I wonder when they're going to start moving out of the Minnesota area how far do you think they distribute now the guy who I gave the comparison to was just giving quoting me like all the places and it was like flyover state flyover state flyover state flyover state (laughs) I'm sure some of them had names. <laughs> Fat Tire just came to New England. Really? Yeah. Wow. They're sort of like where Harpoon is going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like sort if, of. if you if you were to draw a progression, it's probably Surly to Harpoon to Fat Tire to Sam Adams. Well, yes, yeah, Sam Adams would be the original micro. Gone macro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gone macro. <laughs> Yeah, so does that mean surly and I was trying to explain yeah. I think of it as like they're the mezzo beers and those are the best Ooh, ones. I like that. Yeah. It's definitely a scale question here. Harpoon and Surly are definitely mezzo beers. Oh yeah. Alright, well this is ostensibly a fantasy and fantasy baseball podcast, so let's talk about some pitchers. Um mm. why so the guy in our league who has Madison Bumgarner, you know, I asked him why he didn't put in the contract to not be riding dirt bikes. <laughs> yeah, football players have all sorts of crazy things in their contract. How does Madison Bumgarner get to ride a dirt bike? I mean, ba- uh, basketball players do too. Yeah. Jason Williams is like still paying for his motorcycle accident. Yeah how how do you how do you get to ride a dirt bike during the season, no less? This isn't even off season. <laughs> like this is this is like just an off day, and he's out dirt biking. Yeah, I I am curious to see how f- how long he's out for and whether there's any like lasting damage. My guess is no, but that's like, you know, I just played in my head like ten year old me. Totally would have been playing baseball two weeks later, but mm. <laughs> like current me, same accident, same impact, probably even like a little bit less. Like, I don't know if I would be playing baseball again this season other pitching comments i gave you the chance last podcast to to say something nice about sean kelly and what did you do you said some really nasty things and said he's never gonna get any saves i maybe middle eroded it but um who's the closer for the washington nationals right now let's just not talk about that i mean he's this still kind of might give the ball to glover occasionally i also 
I started the season with Sean Kelly, and I presented him in a trade to the guy who had Trinan. I was like, well, mm-hmm. why don't we just, like, why don't I throw him in there? And he was like, oh, no, that's not a value add. It's like, whoa. And, you know, he's going for Kelly first ups. I've, I hate to say it. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. And then one last question. I saw this posted by a baseball writer. Let's just <laughs> close it at that. Um, when you have a you know X number of Ks and zero walks in your pitcher, is your K-to-walk ratio undefined or infinity? It has to be undefined. Okay, Okay, but what if it's zero Ks and one walk? I think that's got to be undefined, too. Okay, but you're not giving any... Like, there's no classification here. Like, Okay, don't you shake your head at me. I'm shaking my head. (laughs) I'm shaking my head. I mean, first of all, this shouldn't really be a valid statistic anyway, right? I think probably a better... Maybe a better thing to think about would be Ks over walks plus Ks. Are you poo-pooing what I'm what I'm saying? What I'm looking at right now? I'm poo-pooing exactly what you're saying. Okay, I I see what you're saying. K's over walks plus K's, and then that means that only undefined is bad. <laughs> well, then it's zero K. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Okay, I mean that helps some of the directionality of the uh, undefined infinity, but I'll just disagree with you. I think it's definitely infinity. All right, this week, Eric has decided that we are far enough into the fantasy season, actually a tenth of the way through the through all the games. Oof, scary. Of the it? year. Yeah, so we're, you know, we're even further than that along our leagues. So Eric's going to talk a little bit about league evaluations and how to figure out where you are at. And then I'm going to talk about saves and what we can possibly contribute to forecasting. Take it away, Eric. So I should give a little bit of a warning that we're going to talk a little less about league evaluations and about more about the mechanics of it uh, because yours truly is doing very, very poorly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it still hurts. <laughs> but all right, uh, a few years back, I put together a spreadsheet that would track league results. The question I wanted to answer was this, am I being lucky? Am I being unlucky? And how do my stats compare with the league? Um, In a head-to-head league, you can't just assume the results of one week against one opponent are representative or predictive. Our league's website prepares a summary breakdown, which lets you know the win-loss of your team against the rest of the league um, had you played everyone head-to-head. But... You know, a couple of years ago, I was like, you know what? I want to get a little bit more granular, really see and try to do some of that predicting and some of that, um, see just how representative each week was. So with the original Raider, Raider, is what I called it, um, I'd copy and paste the week's results into a specific range in a spreadsheet, and then a series of formulas would rank each team's category totals. I thought it was pretty slick. Mike, did you put together a couple of these? Yeah, there was... I, oh, back in the day, for sure. Last year, I, I helped, contributed by doing some of the copy-pasting work. Know some, of the, <laughs> know some of the pain there in that. But this is pretty slick. I mean, you know, 
you know, we kind of poo-poo Excel a little bit and want to move past it, at least in some of our stated goals, but that's a pretty powerful tool. You can get a lot done, and this analysis has definitely helped both of us get a better picture of where we are. Yeah, and the the great thing about Excel is it's like a fully formed GUI graphic user interface that a lot of people are fluent with. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you're into Excel, you're speaking Excel language, and other people can understand that. Last season, I cleaned up that spreadsheet for this for this podcast i um added some conditional format matting uh made it a little bit more presentable and showed it to mike and you know he seemed to seemed to get it and you know he's been on upward trajectory ever since so you know maybe that's that's maybe that's what he needed yeah i think the raider is is exactly that and i i attribute it mostly to you being nice in your conditional formatting and coloring it all in shades of one color as opposed to trying to do anything like a rainbow yeah no red green um (laughs) red green scales i you know it's one interesting principle in cartography that they always try to Mm -hmm. try to teach is never put red and green in the same (laughs) same map thank you thank you everybody (laughs) yeah all right so my goal for a while though and this is where we're going to um getaway maybe the key, i should give the key takeaway of of that of of this raider is that um it really helps to it really helps to expose like what some of your underlying stats are doing against the rest of the league um and it should tell you if you're overperforming or underperforming and should tell you and also this this raider shows you where which is really which is really really helpful but my goal for a while has been to have a one-click solution. I hate copy-pasting. Number one, because my attention to detail is, is not that high, so I screw up all the time. And then number two, it's just, I mean, click-intensive, time-intensive. Mike, I got to tell you, this morning I had a bit of a breakthrough. Unfortunately, I can't share this script through GitHubs, but um, I can... I can show you it it ran as intended the script that I put together um it downloaded the league's results and standings it grabbed the fantasy raider from Google Docs as a spreadsheet it pasted the data into into that spreadsheet and then reposted the document up to Google Drive how fucking awesome is that that is awfully exciting i am excited to never have to open it on tuesday morning and think why is this updated (laughs) it's like ah damn it eric (laughs) yeah exactly um it's yeah it's pretty slick and i think that for our listeners while this is going to be this might get a little little nerdy uh here shortly um this means that we're going to be able to do more um presenting things in google documents in the same in the same documents that we have up there so that you can just have your link to some of our our work and you can um take a look at it also figured out a little ways back how to email things so this is you know we're getting there buddy (laughs) putting these putting these tools together yeah it's you know slow and steady wins the race here all right so I'm going to talk nerdy to you. Um, Python site mm-hmm. packages. Uh, now that we're using Python on the reg, um, 
You remember Python is a scripting programming language that allows you to string together a series of commands. Um, in this case, Python logged into my CBS account, had my credentials, uh, copied the league's results to a file, pasted results into Excel, downloaded, uploaded to Google Drive. Uh, that's a lot of sick functionality made possible with three site packages, PyDrive, to access Google Drive, Pandas for the tabular data ma manipulation, and Mechanize mm -hmm. for web scraping. Have you noticed that there are there's like a proliferation of site packages oh, lately? There's, there's always been site packages, but I think Python is really reaching the the actual mainstream, like not just the nerd mainstream, <laughs> but it's it's headed to um, a more understandable language that somebody who might have been really good with Excel formulas in the past might be headed towards something like Python now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the people who are using macros, yeah. VBA, mm -hmm. are now going to go going to go there instead because there's added functionality. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's take a little quick dive here. Um Mike, this is pretty unprecedented because this raider tells me that you are ranked number two in our league, according to my numbers. I I wish that you didn't sound so surprised, but I, you know, I understand. <laughs> How many times have you been to the playoffs, Mike? Okay, zero. But uh, I I was really close <laughs> one year. <laughs> sure thing. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's yeah. You're move as I said. You're moving on on up in the world. So one of the really fun things about this, as as Mike was alluding to, is that last year I added in this kind of color coding of the different stats, so that you can see in a you can get a glimpse pretty fast of how each team is doing because you have this like you know by not yeah binary white white to red scale for each one of the the statistics. Unfortunately, white being good, red being bad. Fortunately, I only have one stat that's, that's <laughs> you got, white. You Mike. got a lot of pink going that's, on, buddy. <laughs> that's stolen bases. Yeah, I, you know, I just, I was telling you earlier, and this is unfortunately telling me that I'm not being unlucky. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that I'm just that I'm just not good right now. I feel like I'm playing down a player in the average week tab that i put together mm -hmm. says that i am basically one player behind everybody else i think that my pitching will turn it around but i'm very concerned about about my hitting stats yeah i agree with that and this raider tells me that i have <laughs> that, uh, to me. you're not um, wrong <laughs> to, to all of our listeners out there, if you would be interested, we can. Well, I'll I'll try to post this guy up. Um, I guess anyone can can take a look at how our league is doing. But to all our listeners out there, if you want me to put this put a template together for you, you can do the you can do the copy and pasting. I don't care. Um, I'm not going to figure out the <laughs> the web scraping for you, but um, I'd be happy to share a template with you. Um, if you just tell me the names of the teams in your league and the number of weeks that you're playing and the stats <laughs> that you're using in your league. 
All right. Well, everyone, uh, em- yeah, someone ought to email me with a request to put this together for them. It's pretty rare that I get to say this, but I hope that everyone's fantasy team is performing closer to mine than to Eric's. In the meantime, our season might be young, but that doesn't mean we're not already looking ahead to next year's pods. We'll have to add that to a review session next year when we're not doing food. <laughs> next year will be math symbols <laughs> all year. That would be pretty good. Oh, all those Greek <laughs> letters. That's when math starts really like going over my head. We got some. Yeah, we have, we have some definitely some good arguments to have about about Greek letters in there. So saves to me is really a struggle to understand what we can use apart from manager proclamations to understand who's actually going to get saves. Um, and I just put a little. Yep. I just put a little chart in here just for, I guess. Uh, you know, when we look back at this in a month and this is totally different of all the, the closers and the guys that are prospective to take their job. Um, basically all of these lists have changed in the past week. <laughs> I mean, like some part yeah. of them has changed in the past week, even if not the closer has changed, maybe the, the setup man or the guy first in line has changed in all these. So, you know, take everything that we're about to say with a grain of salt here, but we're going to do some some really top-down views here. Let's get a couple things straight. Look at the distribution of saves in 2016. Uh, do you know that 90 guys got a save last year? That seems a little bit higher than I would have expected. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not too crazy. If you had said, like, over 100, if you given me triple digits i would have said Whoa. you would have questioned it fair enough but only 12 of those guys got 32 saves so one to 1.5 of fantasy week basically and what what is this arbitrary number 32 well i just chose i was looking at the top 12 for a 12 team league oh okay all right so in fact motivated by that idea if you look at the cumulative distribution that is how many of the total fraction of saves the first guys got the top 12 closers got 50% of the available saves. That is pretty insane. So basically, if you don't have a top 12 closer or a top 12 save getter, which we got to make a distinction here between, you know, good closers and save getters. Closer. and yep. Basically, you didn't have a chance. Yep. Like, you're not, if you don't have one of those guys, say, going into the playoffs and your opponent does, it's going to be super hard for you to win saves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and keeping keeping in mind also, I was kind of, kicking this idea around it didn't fully develop it but no league has 100 percent save efficiency which means that there are almost always going to be saves out there on the waiver wire that go unclaimed and so can you tease any of those out is it even worth teasing those out um i'm i'm not fully sure all right well what if you're what if you happen to be rostering benoit and jeffress well, okay, that's yeah, but they're they're the people that are going to get four to six saves mm-hmm. in a season, um, barring an injury in front of them, or you know, barring the person behind them being younger but you know, and better. It's four to six saves puts you somewhere between forty and fifty in the closer rankings. So that's not even somebody that you that's not yeah, even somebody no. though that you want on your team because in a twelve team league, right, you're looking at the top thirty six guys, so you got to tease those out. And what's interesting is that the if you look at the distribution of saves, you know, you've got this, you've got kind of a nice curve that makes a lot of sense, meaning that the top tier guys aren't per se more valuable than um, 
exponentially more valuable than the guys down the curve. Mm-hmm. And But then if you divide the saves per appearance or the saves by the number of appearances or games that they came into, the curve is almost exactly the same, which suggests that it really is managers putting them in in those positions and trusting specific guys. Oh, yeah. Well, the save is a created stat. Absolutely, but we hear that a lot, you know. But this really says, okay, the numbers really back that up. And it's it's crazy. I actually was surprised that the maximum value in that was 70%. So even if you are Craig Kimbrell coming in 10 times, only seven of those are going to result in a save. Yeah, so, yeah, you're saying Craig Kimbrell 2011. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 2016. But, yeah, uh, no, that is true. Not every single single closer only comes in during safe situations. That would be an insane team that was had, like, wire-to-wire games every single single time. Yeah, but I was thinking even about, like, the 2015 Royals, like – you know, a, a squad like that, the numbers are still going to bear out like this, which is interesting. I mostly did this because I thought that somebody like Araldus Chapman, who was suspended for a month, might pop out on this in a different way than the huh. pure number of saves. But he doesn't. He doesn't right. stand out on this. They but use no. him in the same way, give him the same trust. No, yeah, a closer that misses time definitely isn't going to have... It's just, he just missed that time, just... Take that, yeah. <laughs> take that twenty games or so. so away. I, I find that to be interesting. So anyway, total. that's sort of to get our bearing. Basically, if you don't take anything else away from the rest of this, it's that you've got to try and suss out who the guys that are dominating the saves are and get them because those top twelve guys yep. are crucial to your ability to win saves. Agreed. That said, let's try and move a little bit past this and try and categorize these guys. And what I did this week was take a stab at estimating a little bit about what kind of guys become closers. Okay, so, and I came up with three groups, um, and what I did here was look at how frequently guys threw fastballs. So I looked at their fastball frequency and their fastball velocity and correlated that with number of saves and tried to divide these guys. So you actually see some clear divisions here um, like I said, into three divisions. And what I did was I, I'm calling a huge range of things fastballs. So I'm calling all of the traditional fastballs, four seamers, two seamers, cutters. And then I'm calling sinkers and sliders also fastballs for the purpose of this. But I'll subdivide those in a little bit. Really? Oh, I hadn't realized that when I was looking through this. Sliders are fastballs. They, well, they, they hang in the same velocity range, right? So that's kind of... Okay, right. It's just the difference between a cutter and a slider is so opaque. That's right. So what I'm looking at here is the coloring in this is the maximum of those pitches, of all of those pitches, the maximum average velocity. Okay, so that's essentially telling you what their hardest or fastest pitch is. And what I found here is that first order you don't have to throw hard to be a closer. So managers aren't looking at this and thinking like, I just need the guy who throws the hardest on my team to be the closer. No, though some managers do. (laughs) Some managers do think that. Um, And what I'm interpreting here is that this means that placement or control is really what matters for closers. Um, And this is similar to some of the realizations that we had on the ERA whip analysis previously. Hmm. I might right there even say it's not control but Mm, consistency okay okay i'll buy that which i mean similar but maybe just like one step beyond like 
the difference between um, facts and knowledge. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, that's <laughs> what, what a nerdy thing to say, but yes. All right, real quick, here's three very broad groups, and then I'll try, and then I'll subdivide it. The first group has only one guy, uh, K-Rod. He is super dangerous as yeah, far buddy. as closers go. He throws less than 50% fastballs and less than 90 miles per hour at the top end, which is just makes him stand out like a sore thumb here for all the other relievers. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, you remember when uh, he was good? Yeah, sure. I'm not going to spend much time on him, but he's going to get 40 saves again. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, what do you do? He looks like you should be so bad, but you have to own him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because as you were saying, it's it's just being out there is half the is half the game. All right, so let's talk about the real profiles for closers, and how I'm subdividing these okay. are the guys that throw greater than ninety percent of their pitches are fastballs. One of those five categories that I said before. And guys that between 60 and 80% are fastballs. And usually those are the guys that are mixing in a curve and change up. So in the fastball range, you've got what I would actually argue are going to be the the top, the real top tier closers, the guys that are consistently, consistently up there. Um, and, you know, I hate to mention Familia because it's kind of a dirt bag. And I guess this is maybe this should be just be the straight up dirt bag category. Because we got Araldis Chapman up here too, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, <it's, laughs> wow, little Poor mean Zach. to the other guys, yeah. Because the other high-profile closers that fit this, which is nine greater than ninety percent fastballs, Zach Britton, Kenley Jansen, Roberto Asuna, Araldis Chapman, Jerry's Familia, um, and there's other guys that are kind of hanging out in the wings that are closer, maybe are closers now. Um, and these are guys that follow this profile too, and I might be viewing them as good owns, even if they don't um, clearly have a path to saves right now, although some of these guys do. Um, for instance, guys yep. like Andrew Miller, who also coincidentally just pounds the strike zone, like 75 plus percent mm-hmm. of his pitches are strikes. Rossell Iglesias, Edwin Diaz, Brandon Kinsler, love that. Uh, Luke Gregerson, really hate to see that guy on there. Joe Smith, uh, Tony Singrani, who I feel bad about, Ken Giles, Jason Greeley, Pat Susek, and then two out of the blue ones here that you might be able to grab if it looks like anything's happening, Nate Jones and Jake Diekman. Yeah, Nate Jones. Interesting evolution for him. So anyway, that's giving you a whole range of guys that, relievers that fit this specific profile that I might even call the classic closer profile. Um, and there's two other guys that I would throw in this, which are Alex Colomay and Hector Neris. And those guys are their own guys. They throw all fastballs all the time. No sinkers, no sliders. <laughs> yeah, they are extreme versions. Of yeah, this. so they, they are the far edge of this. And so those guys, again, fit the classic maybe what you might now call the classic closer profile. Um, yeah, throw, throw hard. hard. <laughs> throw strikes, throw hard. Um, the other guys are the guys that I would actually just call really successful relievers who have gotten into a closer role. So they look like more of your traditional pitchers where they're mixing up their fastballs and changeups and curveballs. Right, the diversity gang. And there are some good guys in here, but I would argue that these guys could go cold pretty quick if their stuff isn't working. So I'm a little bit more on edge with these guys than I am with the previous category. 
Um, Melanson, Casilla, Kimbrel, Allen. I hate to see him on there. Ramos, <laughs> Gomez, Dyson. Huh, what happened with that guy? And uh, Robertson. <laughs> Whoa, what are you saying? What's Robertson doing on this? Kind of, kind of look at this list and think like, oh yeah, these are guys that could lose their jobs pretty quickly. Yeah, no, I think that this is a good, this is a good list, and this is a good um, distinction between them because you're just watching one thing in that first group. Do they have yep. their fastball? If they don't have their fastball, then you know there's a problem. These guys, you're right. It's their secondary pitches, which means that maybe their fastball isn't as fast and they're relying on their secondary pitches more and they're not doing well which is quite frankly Kimbrel because he should be in group Agreed. number one except for the last couple of years he's been sort of hurt and has been throwing in all this junk no Kimbrel should be in group number one because his peak fastball is up in that group too so if in group number one the guys who throw hard their peak fastballs are 96 97 98 in this group that has to mix it up, they're only hitting 91 to 93, more like your starter type profile. Yeah. And these are all guys that, yeah, I remember each and every single one of them having ups and downs. Mm -hmm. Some more than others, quite frankly, but... You just you slide go. in a few more digs on my Sam Dyson pick, but it's cool. All right, my man. Well, maybe it's time to wrap this thing up. Yeah, and begrudgingly beginning with something that we put in the bet box mid last week. Um, I made two trades last week and you hated yeah, both yeah, of them. Did. One more than the other. Not sure. I, I disliked one strongly. <laughs> um, the other one I disliked, but then on second glance, I said, eh, well, you know, he could have done worse. Like with the, the other trade. <laughs> Thank you. Ben Zobrist <laughs> for Wei Yin Chen. Yeah, that was dumb. You you said that you would have traded me Mike Leak for Zobrist, which I find insulting, frankly. But uh, what did what did Mike Leak okay, do last week? Mike Leak had a great week. He had the week that I dreamt about the like three years that I constantly picked him up on the waiver wire in our league. <laughs> <laughs> During your relationship, yeah. I got fever dreams about how good how good Mike Leak could be, and then he lives up to it last week. I think he's number oh, nine right geez. now in the player raider. Oh, well, <laughs> prime regression candidate. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. So agree anyway, with that. what we did here is because of that disagreement, we put we put Shen versus Leak in the bet box. All right, so we do delve into other sports pretty regularly. NBA playoffs. Are you watching any of this? Oh, I am. Are you okay? Do I need to back you away from the ledge here? Or I mean, we're we have home court home court advantage back. The Celtics. <laughs> yeah, you guys got it in the wonkiest way possible. <laughs> yeah, I like. I there are very few series that have ever been um, the away team has won every game of the first four. Yeah, That's that, pretty that crazy. just doesn't that just doesn't happen very frequently. Um, what's your favorite non-Celtic series that's going on right now? Oh, I mean, Jazz Clippers. <laughs> I, I personally like watching the Blazers realize that the Warriors who they th are who they thought they were. <laughs> or just destroying them. No coach, no problem. No Kevin Durant, know, no problem. Just, We're just going to destroy just you. Just embarrassing. Like, wow, okay, that is a 1-8 yeah. matchup. 
Well, I think, uh, yeah, I would, I would agree. That is a fun series to watch because you get to watch two just good offenses, one great offense, one good offense. But I think that the Clippers, the Clippers Jazz series is like a very good basketball series to watch. Do you get bummed knowing that it's all pointless, <laughs> given that? Yes. Like clearly, they're not any of the three best teams in that league. Yeah, you're you're watching the team fight for the um, honor of getting destroyed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Eh, something, I guess. Yeah, pretty funny. All right, I think that brings us to the review session. Here's a good one. This might be a hot button issue. Quinoa, love it, hate it. I I think the needle here trends towards love really yeah you know i think it was one of those certainly when we were in college i was like what is that hippie food going on but after college i don't know something changed man something changed sometimes you can't eat rice every night you're like wow i probably should mix it up here occasionally (laughs) try some quinoa in like a funky package at the store and you're like all right let's see what's up so i gotta say if you're doing quinoa yourself I, if I'm doing it myself, I think I, I have like two or three pretty good recipes with quinoa. But typically it does suck. Like when you go to a restaurant and they're like, blah, 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 quinoa crusted. You're like, why? What are you doing? Why? Are you, I don't want my duck crusted <laughs> with quinoa. Like, why are you putting raw quinoa on like a good meal? And then it's like, a lot of people are like, well, we're just going to substitute it for rice. So it's like, whatever this rice aroni dish was, but we're going to put quinoa. No. Wait, do you think that we should start quinoa aroni before anybody else does? All right, go hold this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> just for a couple days until we can until we can get yeah. the copyright in. So if, if rice aroni is the San Francisco treat, what is quinoa aroni? The Midwestern tweet? That is definitely not the Midwestern tweet, tweet or <laughs> treat. I just tell them it is and they'll and they'll You know Minnesotans only like wild rice. They do. Oh my god. <laughs> why do we not why have we not had a wild wild rice review session? Okay. Alright. That seems like a good way to end it. I think so. Alright, well time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.